Welcome to Unwanted Guests, the podcast that teaches you about insects and other pests that may join you in and around your home. It's brought to you by Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and the Texas A&M Department of Entomology. We're your hosts, Wizzy Brown, Robert Puckett, Molly Keck, and Janet Hurley. Welcome to Unwanted Guests. I just want to remind everybody off the bat that we have gone to a monthly format for this. So that is why you haven't heard from this in a really long time. And today we are going to be talking uh, not necessarily about mosquitoes themselves as insects, but we're going to be talking about ways to manage them within your landscape and around your home. So right now in Texas, it's been really, 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 really hot. (laughs) And it's also been very dry. And so a lot of people have been watering and trying to cool off and that can leave standing water in various locations. And what that can do is drive mosquitoes closer into your home and where you're hanging out because you may have that kiddie pool in the backyard that you may not have emptied out, or you may have plants that have dishes underneath them that are accumulating water. You can have low spots in your yard, tree holes. There's all sorts of different things that can allow the container breeding mosquitoes to continue their life cycle. So I just want to have a conversation about what people can do and some options. I'm going to start off with the most obvious one that I think, and that is a personal repellent. And that could either be a repellent that you put on your person before you go outside, or there are articles of clothing that you can buy that are impregnated with pesticides that you can also put on. So when I'm looking for a repellent, there's an EPA website that you can go to that can help you choose, but I would either go there or I would go to the CDC website and see what repellents they recommend to reduce the chances of being bitten by mosquitoes that are our disease carrying mosquitoes, because that is really what I'm trying to avoid personally. If I'm bitten by a mosquito, you know, that's kind of a annoyance because, you know, I do react, but as far as the diseases like West Nile virus or dengue or chicken gunya or whatever, I don't want to end up with one of those. And so that is what I am mainly trying to avoid. The other thing with repellents that you do have to take into account is one, where you're going to be located. If I'm sitting in my backyard, that is going to be a different level of repellent, probably not as high of a percentage than if I were hiking in the woods or camping all weekend or something where I would have really kind of thick infested areas. And I also might be wanting to be concerned about things like ticks. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so I would be pretty concerned about that. But the other thing that you have to realize is if you are sweating, then that will get rid of or wash off the mosquito repellent. So you will need to occasionally reapply that. And again, it's going to really depend upon 
how much you're sweating, the percentage of the repellent and that sort of thing. So just keep that in mind, because like I said, it is really hot. And if you go outside and just stand, let alone do some yard work or something, you're going to be sweating buckets. So that is the one that I want to start off with. Robert, do you have a suggestion on something that people can utilize? Yeah, you know, it, as a result of the extreme heat that we deal with during this time of the year, you know, normally we tell people, so you're really going to need to think about protecting yourself at dawn and dusk hours when mosquitoes are really active. And the problem is that's typically during this time of the year in Texas, at least that's when we become active, right? It's the only hours of the day where there's both daylight out and the temperatures are low enough that we can uh, do so without melting. So yeah, it, it, that contributes to the problem in terms of our interactions with mosquitoes as hosts. So like you said, I mean, there's, there's a lot of products on the market that can be applied to a person or their clothes to repel mosquitoes, but there's also a, a few new devices that are coming on the market that don't necessarily require the application of a, of a repellent to a person, rather they emit a repellent in an area around folks as they're going through their activities, whatever that may be. And so I'm thinking about devices like the thermocell devices. They emit a chemical repellent. So the device has a little wafer that you put in and that the repellent volatilizes from that. And they claim to provide pretty significant area of relief from mosquitoes. And I haven't involved these in a study of any kind, but at least some anecdotal evidence from our house. My wife uses these when she's out on our porch in the morning, for instance, she likes to, to read and have breakfast on the back porch during the time of year when the mosquitoes are really active. She's attacked. And so we bought one of these for our house. And they, it, the one that we bought seems to uh, do a really, really effective job of keeping mosquitoes off of us on our back porch or if we're in the front yard doing some weeding and that sort of thing. That brings something to mind. Well, I'm sure we're going to talk about uh, moisture management around homes, you know, dealing with standing water, like our container breeding mosquitoes love. And one of those things we don't talk a lot about very often, um, but I know this is a, an area around our home that contributes to mosquitoes. And that is those corrugated plastic downspouts that connect to your gutter system. Typically folks will run those underground and then they'll surface somewhere in the yard so the water can come out. But oftentimes those little ribs inside those tubes hold a lot of moisture and mosquitoes find those. And so they, that's another area that we have to think about mosquitoes breeding in. I think, uh, as you mentioned, Lizzie, the products that you apply to your person and then these devices that are coming on the market can provide quite a lot of relief to people that just want to enjoy their near home environment. Or as you said, when you're hiking, of course, it might be a little more difficult to use the, like the thermocell devices, but, but again, actually, you know, the thermocell, yeah. they have a clip on device yeah. and I think off makes one too, but yeah, yeah. They, it, yeah. I kind of, when I tell people, cause they don't really they can't like picture what I'm talking about. It kind of, if you think about like peanuts and the Charlie Brown characters, the, the pig pen guy that has the dust cloud around him, <laughs> that is essentially what I kind of equate this to. So if you have that little clip on thing, you've got that little repellent cloud around you. And so it's a way to manage the insects from getting to you. So that repellent is protecting you. So yeah. they do have clip-on versions. And then the other one that they just came out with, I actually, I have one of these in my yard that we installed and I'm testing it and I love it. it it's like a, 
a thermocell system that's like a professional grade and it hooks up to the, you just like plug it in and you can put it around a pool or a deck area or whatever. And they have stakes that go into the ground and you actually control it through an app on your phone. So you can turn it on and turn it off and that sort of thing. So if you have a set area, then that might be something it is kind of expensive. It may be like way cheaper to just buy three or four of the portable ones that they have. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, they were like, do you want to test this? And I said, yes, yes, I do. Mm -hmm. Please. (laughs) Mosquitoes love me. (laughs) (laughs) I think one thing to mention about those devices that admit Charlie Brown cloud around you, I've wondered before, and I think I've actually seen a reduction in the effectiveness of the product when we have times of high wind. Yes. Um, So you just have to keep that in mind. If you're in a sheltered area, like on a back porch or something and out of the wind, great. But if you've got wind that's blowing into the porch, well, that may limit the effectiveness of those devices. And that effectiveness also will be, if you're using um, the tiki torches with something in it or citronella candles or something like that as a repellent, then high winds will Mm -hmm. also be problematic for those mm-hmm. effectively but, blows the volatilized repellent yeah. out of the area. But you know, the, the wind, I mean, that's, that's another way that you can control them. A lot of times what we will do, especially now when it's blazing hot outside, if you get an oscillating fan mm-hmm. and have that going across your seating area, it not only cools you off, <laughs> but it can also make it difficult for those mosquitoes to fly in and actually find you. Yeah. So we've done personal repellents. We've done the stuff that kind of off gases and repels into the environment. Molly, do you want to cover maybe either mosquito misting systems or fogging? I guess I'd be interested to see what y'all's thoughts are on those misting systems. But I mean, from what I understand, they are basically tubing that kind of goes around the gutters or, you know, under the eaves, somewhere high up. And then they're generally set on a timer, or I suppose the homeowner can push a button and they can go. And so they provide a fairly fine mist of pesticide that really is, you know, not going to penetrate through a lot of foliage, but kind of land on top. And I've always thought that those were maybe not the best idea because you're going to affect a lot of your beneficials. You, depending on when you have it go off, you may not be targeting the mosquitoes that are the problem for you in your area, um, or at least that time of year. So I don't know how, how totally effective they are, but I don't have one on my house. So I, you know, I, I'm just kind of guessing and not going off of any data. I don't know if you guys have any of those or have any, I I'm personally not a fan of them because they are a broad, it is a usually a naturally derived pesticide. So it's a plant-based pesticide, but it is broad spectrum. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's getting pesticide all over wherever. If somebody gets those installed, they get all excited because they get this little remote control and they get to get this little button that they can push and it'll set off the system. And it's like, they see one mosquito and boom. And then you have all of this pesticide going into the environment. And it just, it kind of makes me cringe. I'm, mm. I'm just, I'm really not a huge fan of them because yeah, it's not I, targeting anything. The department of agriculture structural pest control group asked me to, to address this at a meeting. I guess this was 
probably two or three years ago now, and I found a really nice paper that field trialed a number of these systems. And basically what they found was that they were moderately effective at knocking down adults, of course, adult mosquitoes. But the conclusion of the paper was that they weren't sure that the, the moderate effectiveness of the system sort of matched you know, the, the desire of people to have them, the cost of them, et cetera, and the upkeep costs and all this when they you know, their position was that there were probably more effective means of, of doing this. And, and also that it sort of, sort of satisfied this part of our brain that says, well, we're, we're taking this action, so it must work. It must affect these populations of mosquitoes. But then at the same time, I, Wizzy, you may remember this. Do you remember, um, there's a big dust up in, in Austin for a while that I, I, there was a group of citizens that were that had reached out to municipal governments and and were trying to urge them to curtail like backyard barbecues and barbecue industry in, in Austin. And so I was trying to make this point that you guys are making that this is an insecticide that doesn't stay put. And I found a photograph of somebody with a misting system on their back porch and the mist was traveling directly across their fence line into their neighbor's backyard. And I thought, wait, this is a community that's trying to outlaw barbecue smoke in Texas. What are they going to do when they realize that's insecticide wafting across the fence line, you know? So you do have to take that into consideration. You know, if you've got close neighbors who are uh, chemical insecticide averse and you install a misting system, well, you're, you're asking for, for neighborhood trouble, right? Especially if it's on a timer and, right. you know, cause that's not taking into account if you have windy conditions or anything like that, it's mm-hmm. going off at that time on a regular basis. And if it's windy, that stuff is drifting to who knows where. So that's right. it's something you really need to be careful with, I guess, yeah. fogging or like a ultra low volume. You have a pest control company that comes out with a backpack sprayer and they're got that big old fog thing going on and they're spraying the shrubbery. And I guess that's a more targeted treatment for mosquitoes. But the thing that you have to understand with the misting systems and the fogging, they're trying to target the adults. And those adults, depending on what species, you know, they can fly anywhere like up to what, a mile to 10 miles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So even if you're treating those adults that are in your yard, there's still hundreds of thousands of mosquitoes in your area that can still fly into your yard because adults are going to have wings and they're capable of moving. It's get them while they're young. Yes. So Janet, you want to talk a little bit? Sure. And just for the record and for the audience records, being the senior member of this podcast, I actually remember when our regulatory system for the structural pest control people was a board. And I remember when the mosquito misting devices came on because there was a lot of angst and not sureness about having an insecticide just immediately spray and I have to or admit, giving would, customers a remote control to do so. Yeah, well, not just that, but if you're sitting out there enjoying an adult beverage at your fine eating establishment and you get a whiff of some of that insecticide, it just doesn't go down well. But on the converse side, you come 15 years into the future because that's when the misting devices were first developed. But nowadays, now we have things like mosquito management, but it's at the 
the youth level, the egg laying level. So we now have these traps either called OV care or into care or there's also insect- the insecto. I insecto, dynatrap. In my yard. <laughs> I mean, there's several different ones, but all of them work on the premise that the female mosquitoes got to be able to lay her eggs. These devices offer a way for her to lay her eggs. The problem is, is once she lays her eggs on these devices, it has a, a microbial, a bacillus thuringigenis, which interacts with the mosquito larvae. FYI, people, it's birth control for mosquitoes. She lays her eggs. They become neutralized. But hopefully while she's there, some of these devices also have a little bit of an insecticide to not make her healthy as well. But they're pretty cool. I mean, I've had a couple of them in my yard for a couple of years now. The only thing those Asian tiger mosquitoes, because they are daytime biters, they come no matter what. Mm-hmm. No matter uh, what I do in my yard. Same I was here. Just say the into care system, the into care system advertises to uh, so so the idea is that the 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 female adult when she's laying eggs, she picks up a dose of insecticide that I, I believe they advertise that she can then transfer that to other areas where she lays her eggs, right? So contaminating other bodies of water, which is pretty cool if it, if it works as advertised. I had the into care in my yard for, I don't know, a year or so. You need to make sure, well, in my case, it was user error because I was not managing them on a regular basis. So if you have the into care system installed, I would recommend that you definitely make sure that they are monitoring it properly and changing stuff out the way that it should, because it didn't work for me. And I completely take the blame on that because I was not doing what I needed to do to replenish things as needed. And depending on the time of year, they need to at least change the sachets monthly to every other month. Again, depending on what's going on, but right now I'm doing monthly and it's only two in the backyard. I could probably do more. I have a pond in my backyard, which is also stocked with the mosquito fish. But again, you still have dark vegetation. It doesn't matter if you've got a lot of plants. And even though they may be drought tolerant, mosquitoes and other insects, good and bad, find that vegetation and hang out during the day. And then if you go to the shaded area because you've been outside and it's hot, they're going to find you too. <laughs> Janet, do you have any problem with raccoons getting into those traps? Because I've always heard that raccoons, for whatever reason, love to mess with them. No, but don't jinx me. I don't have any raccoons right now at my house. Knock oh. on wood. So that's why. <laughs> They'll be showing up tonight. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. I just don't need, it's bad enough I got possums and rabbits. <laughs> So you mentioned in the pond, because I I just did this this morning. I have a little standing pond in one of those galvanized things. And I have some pond plants and whatnot. But when that got mosquito larvae in it, I went out and I bought some goldfish. And I just, one of them, I don't know, got eaten by something. I don't know what. So I bought two more goldfish from the store. I think they were like 16 cents each. You can go and get the feeder goldfish. I know that you have the the fancy gambusia fish, which are mosquito eating fish. 
but I, I just went with goldfish because it was cheap and I was getting crickets anyway. So I just picked some up. Well, of course you were picking up crickets and the mosquito fish came from a friend who said, Oh, I've got some in my pond. Do you want some? And I said, sure. And I've got news for you for, from our listeners. That pond used to have koi. Those gambusia are a lot easier to take care of. But what you were talking about, if you didn't want to have fish and you did have a standing water area or something like that, the mosquito dunks work just fine as well. Even if it's standing water, but it's got movement. So for instance, even in that pond that has the mosquito fish, I've also got a pump that helps to circulate the air and it makes the fountain, of course it makes the fountain noise. One of my new tricks is wearing one of those neck gaiters or a bandana. You know, if you're going to be out in the yard and you're going to be out working and you don't want to get bit, then yeah, you might need to suck it up and wear the long sleeve shirt and pants and cover head and neck just again so that you are protected. It could also protect your skin from sunburn as well. Some other areas, if you have a tree hole, you can fill in, like obviously once it dries out, which it should be dried out by this time, you can fill it in. And a lot of people fill it in with like sand or concrete or quickcrete or something. I would use the expanding foam because it's not going to give a whole bunch of weight. And you can cut that down and paint it once it's dry. So you can paint it to match the tree so it doesn't stick out. Some other options Robert talked about, like the French drains, getting some areas. If you have that and you know that yours isn't draining properly, then you can use mosquito bits or mosquito dunks. Another option or area that you need to look is your rain gutters. If they are collecting debris or leaves, a lot of times that can have standing water in those. So you might need to get those cleaned out. And the other big one that I know, I have it in my yard sometimes, depending on how your rain barrel is or is not sealed, (laughs) if it has a hole in the screen where the water goes in and a mosquito is capable of getting through that, They will go in there. They will lay eggs. And that is just absolutely crazy on the number of mosquitoes that can come out of there because that happened to me last summer where I like lifted the lid up because I saw the screen had one little tiny corner and there were just thousands of mosquito larvae in there. So if you're doing that, either use your rainwater on a decent regular basis or you could use something like the, the dunks or bits or whatever, the, the BT in there. And that can help you reduce those larvae in those areas. The only thing I would tell them to double check as well is condensate lines. Depending oh, yeah. On, depending on where that's at. I mean, is it hitting dirt? Is it hitting concrete? Is it green and algae? If algae's growing, so can mosquitoes. So, you know, again, do look at that any place else where there could be weird standing water with organic matter. Working with mosquitoes in the laboratory, you get a pretty quick education on how fast they can develop from egg to adult. So especially right now when it's hot. Right, right. So heat's driving their um, developmental physiology faster during these times of the year. 
And so, you know, we can go from eggs to adults in, in a matter of days in the laboratory. And so that can happen in your yard too. So like, like Janet mentioned, you know, the, the point that she was making, if you see, if you see green mold growing, that means that area stays wet enough for long enough to contribute to that mold growth and, and keeping it alive. So just it takes a little bit of moisture. And so just, I know it sounds like a very basic means of controlling mosquitoes around your house, but really just walk your yard occasionally and look for standing water. Sometimes there are new things in the lawn that you wouldn't have thought about, you know, some toy that kid leaves out in the backyard that's accumulating moisture from, from rainfall. Of course, not not for us right now, but, but, but like, you know, from irrigation systems that are pushing water into those wells and a toy or something, you know, these just, just walk your yard and be mindful of, you know, those areas that collect moisture that mosquitoes can use to drive their development. And that they do travel. You can walk your yard. You could even maybe walk yeah. your neighbor's yard. That's right. Oh, one thing I, I just thought of this. I got a couple questions at the beginning of this year from different people. And there is some website online. I cannot remember the name of it, but they, I think they're based in, I want to say Israel, but they ship sterilized male mosquitoes Hmm. to people. And so essentially what they're dealing with there is they take the male mosquitoes, they irradiate them, they make them sterile. So when they mate with the females, they don't actually transfer viable sperm. So then when those mosquito females lay eggs, they wouldn't actually turn into more mosquitoes. And this is a method that they were using in Florida recently to control the mosquito population there when they had an outbreak of, I forget what to see. I want to say chicken gunya or Zika or something. Mm-hmm. One of those two. So it is a viable technique, but I could not find on the website when I did the research, I couldn't find what species of mosquitoes they were shipping. So depending upon what mosquitoes you're dealing with in your environment, you're going to have to have the same species of mosquitoes because they're not going to breed with mosquitoes that aren't the same species. And the other thing is the, the concern that I have is them shipping mosquitoes from Israel to the United States and what may or may not be involved in that. And, and it's really expensive. So, you know, if you end up getting, you know, a box full of dead mosquitoes, then it's really not going to help you. But that is another uh, method that I just wanted to touch upon. I, again, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody right now because I think a lot more research needs to be done before that enters into the consumer environment for people to purchase and use. I'm going to go out on a limb and say USDA may not be real thrilled without bringing in mosquitoes without first going through them. Yeah, I, I don't know the particulars, but yeah, I had a couple people send me emails and I was like, oh, well, I got to do some digging on this. That's interesting. I hadn't heard about that, Wizzy. I would imagine if you're just releasing male mosquitoes, and especially if they're, you know, if, if they are truly sterile, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about, well, anyway, that's another concern. But, but what I'm thinking about is if you, if you release a bunch of sterile males around your house and your females around your house mate with those males and they lay blank eggs, those that aren't going to develop to adults, that doesn't prevent 
the females from next door ended up in your yard and also laying eggs that are going to become, you know, non-sterile uh, mosquitoes and, and, and develop a viable population from her eggs. So yeah, that seems like tricky business. That seems like a, if it works, it would, it will work best on a big, um, you know, like uh landscape level, right? Like an HOA gets yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know what they do for sterile insects in other species so. you're right but right. they're like massive releases where you know like a whole mm -hmm. town yep. or city or whatever There's... is covered with them right yeah so, it'll be yeah. like fogging only with sterile male mosquitoes right and and that is something that we that just reminded me janet um depending on where you are located in texas you may or may not have a mosquito control district that may fog for mosquitoes. Um, some of them do that. Some of them will go out and treat standing water. Again, this all depends on the accessibility of areas and things like that. But I know the majority of the mosquito control districts will actually monitor for mosquito populations in various standing pools of water within their area of coverage. I get a report every week from the Williamson County Mosquito Control District, and it tells me what mosquitoes, what mosquito species or genus actually were found, how many pools, if there's any diseases and all that good stuff that's found in there. So that may be uh, something that you can look up for your area. And, you know, we do have what, like 70 to 80 species of mosquitoes in Texas. So there's a lot of them, but the main ones that we're dealing with are going to be, you know, in two or three of the genera. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unwanted Guests, and we will catch you next time.